your samples tomorrow. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Should be getting weird down in Death Valley this weekend. Yes, it should. For for the Irish taking on Clemson. I wonder I guess we could jump in there. Dabo getting called out by a fan um, for his production in a year where he's making close to $10 million. Um, he went off, giving themselves some bulletin board material for this game against the Irish. How how do you what do you feel about that response? Is it is it warranted for him to go off like that? Or if you are four and four making $10 million, should you kind of just, you know, shut up and fly right? I think it's classic Dabo. I mean, I this is the exact reaction. Yeah, that's that's I, how he is. That's how he is. Uh, I think bulletin board material is exactly the word for it. I think, you know, when you're a four and four ball club, things are not, and especially at Clemson, things are not going to the standard you wanted. Let's motivate the guys before a huge one against the Irish. Now, warranted? Absolutely not. I mean, the guy is making $10 million for a four and four season. Uh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, we redid his whole contract and made it like strictly bonus based because of this pretty much exact same thing. And frankly, he won more than, you know, was above 500 there. Uh, you see it all the time with coaches. I mean, you really the only ones you, I mean, you're starting to see it now with Jimbo. There's been no success there. He's making all the money in the world. Um, that same conversation will be had with Brian Kelly in five years if things don't turn around. Really, the only one who has avoided that has been our buddy James Franklin, who we covered last week. Um, Ryan Day might be under the same scrutiny, you know, coming in here soon if Michigan keeps taking care of business. It's what happened to what happens to top coaches. Really, the only one you haven't seen it, as I mentioned with James Franklin for being mediocre, and as well as Nick Saban, who's obviously the GOAT. Uh, I think it just comes with the territory. I think you got to be better than that as a coach. Um, unless you know you're going for that bullet board material, but again, that's him. Uh, that's that's his personality. I think it's very spot on. Uh, I think it won't do much against the Irish this week. I think they're going to take care of business. They're a much better ball club, but that's just what you see out of Dabo in typical Dabo fashion. You know, the same guy who leads the team down the tunnel and is sprinting, and you know, it's all about him. Well, guess what? When you win, it, it can't be all about you when you win, and not when you lose. You know, so that's just how it comes with the turf. Yeah, I um, I definitely wanted to say like he's, as you said, Beach my or uh, it's all about him. He's a guy that's my way or the highway. They were a team that they don't use the portal because he's like, no, we're doing this my way. I want my culture type of thing, my recruits I bring in. So he doesn't do that first of all, and and then he's got this team. He said like before the season, like yeah, we have this like bullshit like merit system, and this team has earned the highest amount of points ever, like all this crap, like he just has all these, it's all coach speak and whatnot, but he's a guy where now that it's not working, like finally it's all blown up in his face and he's coming to a realization, like him blowing up on that kid is him having a real, like, and I'm sure he's already come to it that yeah, my way isn't working anymore. So, I mean, if it keeps going this way, he's going to be gone because he needs to either adapt or die. If you look at their schedule, so they're sitting at four and four, and they got to get the six for the bowl. They got Notre Dame, who they're dogs against, Georgia Tech, who's not terrible, North Carolina, and then rivalry game against South Carolina. They lose three. They're sitting at five and seven. They're not making a bowl with his 
And this is after a season where he says, we don't need the portal and everybody else in college football used it. And look what happened. So yeah, that's, it's, it's not working. I do think it's ridiculous to pay that much attention to what a kid is saying about you making that much money. I mean, you hear it all the time from whether you're in professional football, professional athletics or college athletics, these guys don't have social media throughout, you know, like the season, like they unplug. It's like, you know, maybe someone runs it for them or whatnot, but like a lot of these dudes unplug from it all. They don't want the noise because you can feel great about what you're doing and know what people are saying isn't true. But just to be hearing that is just, you know, negative thoughts, create negative action. So it's like a lot of players will get rid of that. A lot of coaches will get rid of that. And for him to just let this kind of seep in and just, acknowledge it in such a combative way to like uh what how old was this dude like 12 <laughs> i think he was like 16 or something some i mean this is this is like a kid too who's like i can picture myself like being that age and being like what the hell are we paying jim harbaugh for the guy hasn't done anything he hasn't beat ohio state like you know and doing that you think jim is brendan beachler from grand rapids i got this for you to say like i <laughs> I earned you, that. son of a bitch. Yeah, like, you know what you're talking about. I made it here because in nowhere along the line, what cracks me up did that kid like attack his legacy. He all he literally said is like, "We expect more. You're four and four. You're lying to yourself if you don't know that, and you're lying to yourself if you think that this season is earning of ten million dollars, uh, as well as last season being on the decline." So we're just starting to see Dabo start to go like this, go down, and that's where these questions start being asked. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that, that response is classic, you know, I mean, insecurity is the immediate, you know, kind of reaction to anything that, um, is over, you have a over, overly dramatic, overly, um, you know, just kind of out, out there response to such a simple question. You're clearly insecure about the season you're having if you weren't, if you were in a good place, you know, you'd spend 20 seconds and then on to the next question. So what that tells me first is that he's worried. He's insecure because he is four and four, but, you know, to his defense here, and, you know, this might not be the most salient, um, you know, response for, for this issue, because it is talking about this season, but, you know, 99% of programs would, you know, take someone's life for a national championship, let alone two. So this is his worst season as the coach of Clemson. He is clearly having some trouble learning how to lose because he hasn't done much of it before. It's starting to make you think about, you know, what, what if his Clemson teams didn't have, Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. If if he wasn't blessed with two of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, you know, is, is he a great coach? You know, the all the all these questions that, you know, get swept under a little bit when you're winning come up. And clearly he hasn't had to deal with those kind of questions before. You're gonna be insecure about a a season where you might finish under 500, which is completely unacceptable for a program like Clemson. When you get a $10 million a year contract, you know, you're expected to be playing for a national championship every year. And 
You know, I, I actually kind of like Dabo and I think he's a genuine guy. And I think this might've actually showed that he is a genuine guy. Um, a lot of guys, even if they were, you know, had some crippling insecurity, they, they wouldn't let you hear about it. So I actually do appreciate him for wearing his heart on his sleeve there. It doesn't change the fact that he's, that he's four and four, um, knock on wood, home dog, probably going to be four and five after this Saturday and then has some tough games coming up. And Mar, like you mentioned, there's a there's a possibility this team isn't bowl eligible this year. And that is, you know, that's not even a consideration before a season like this for a program like Clemson. So, you know, I don't I I can't I couldn't positively say that someone should be gone after going five and seven having two recent national championships in the last, you know, eight years. But, you know, it, I think where that question was coming from is kind of like, Hey man, it's not working. You're getting paid all this money. The underlying message there is you need to kind of get with the times, right? Like we, you can't just keep doing this, you know, my way or the highway, no transfer portal, no NIL, like all this kind of stuff. If it's, if it's, if it's going to, lead to a five and seven season or a six and six season like we we can't keep we can't pay you this much to to coach like it's still you know 2014 so you know it'll be interesting to see how they play coming off this if i know there's some they're having some internal issues with guys like will shipley uh not being too happy not being too pleased guys are starting to turn on each other a little bit in that tiger locker room so this will be this is their biggest game of the season um, with the context of this, you know, Dabo news. So I think this uh, is a game where you need to see something out of Klubnik as well, because I, I think to your point, and you saw it when Lawrence had to come in and, and relieve um, ukulele, but um, their team was certainly better then. And you're kind of riding the high from a national championship. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was the year. Pro- no, it was two years prior. So K Klubnik has not worked out to to that standard of of the Deshaun of the Trevor Lawrence. I don't think this is a a firing conversation. I because I I genuinely think another program would see a lot of prowess with him. I I think this is maybe something where we need to see something out of Cade in a in a really good game against a strong defense and a strong defensive scheme as an underdog to maybe set the tone for next year. Like have the same conversation about Clemson this year at next year uh with a little bit more, you know, talent under their belt, a little more experience at the quarterback position. If not though, I think he needs to start looking at like where can I find this five-star guy? And to Marty's point of, you know, kind of sticking with his way or the highway, that's fine when you're working or when it's working. But if he's not able to recruit that Trevor Lawrence guy to come in and and run his program, how he sees fit, how he knows he can get success out of it, you got to go get a guy like Cam Rising, who we discussed last week, who could be available. Like, those are the guys that you need to go get in the portal to at least have a chance and kind of beef up your quarterback room. Because what we've seen from Dabo is the clear need for an elite quarterback who is a top, not even five, top three quarterback in college football when they're playing. 
And I don't know if we're seeing it right now. I know we're not seeing it right now, but maybe we'll see it sometime, you know, next year. I don't think we see it this weekend. I've been on Cade since last year and then they sucked. And I was like, well, they're going to have a bounce back here this year. Now I'm just kind of eating my words. So I was clearly wrong on him. I hope I'm not proven wrong again this weekend, but we'll see. Yeah. I've, I feel like a big part of the, the point too, is this guy is getting paid like freaking $12 million a year. So, so he's, he's, making probably top four or five college football head coach mm-hmm. money. And grant, granted, he won the national championship, so that gives him leash. But when you're getting paid that amount of money, if that's like at a different school, although it's hard. I mean, Texas A&M paid Jimbo, and he hasn't done a damn thing, and they still haven't fired him. But it's like you got to earn that contract. Otherwise, there's going to be noise, like you said. So – after two or three years in a row where it's like, well, where are we going? What are we doing here? Type of football. Um, it's yeah. Like you said, fans are going to question, dude, why the hell are you getting paid way more than any of us are ever going to see in our lives per year? Yeah. But. So it's just, if you're Dabo, I think, you know, some of the worry is you see, especially in the NFL, Guys get paid a bag to come take the reins at a struggling team. If it if it doesn't work, you're out on the street like very very quickly for most places. I mean, we just saw McDaniel. Um, you can you can look back to Urban Meyer and Jacksonville was willing to pay him an arm and a leg to give you know to see what he had for for the NFL. One in fifteen. All right, you know, we can't we can't do this anymore. You're gone. So, you know, the the payment comes before the um the success in a lot of cases. But when the payment comes after the success, it works the exact same way. Because if you're paid after you've already achieved a level of merit, such as two national championships. That is what is expected. Your contract is you're you're getting paid twelve million dollars to coach for a national championship every year. Teams that don't pay their coach close to that, m- most of them aren't you know looking to win a national championship. Like you don't see many guys, you know, coaching at you know like you know lower level power five schools making that kind of money because how how can this guy be so valuable? But if we're going to, if we, uh, the idea of winning a national championship to Clemson is worth $12 million a year for that coach. So maybe it's not this year, but, you know, a seven win season next year. And you, you, you cannot justify paying that to anyone after two, you know, Gator Bowl appearances or, no bowl appearances. So he's 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 I, yeah. worried for sure. I looked it up. He is number two, only behind Nick Saban in college football. So he is ahead of Kirby Smart, who just won two in a row. And do I mean, though, like that's the company right there that has yeah. multiple championships. Yeah, that's all it. three, all three of two, which are multiple. Saban is more sense. obviously, but it does. Yeah. But when you start to rattle off these seasons, it's. Was this just a fever dream? 
Do yeah. we need another guy to come in and kind of repeat this cycle over again? F- football is what it, it's, it's – I mean, you look at the NFL, it's even week by week. It's what have you done for me recently? Everything gets scrutinized if you lose. It's If you win, everything's fine. And college, you get a little more leeway because you're working with kids. But what have you done for me recently? And recently Clemson's been asked. So, yeah. Nothing short of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pumped to see Death Valley um, going on a nice little college football tour here this weekend. But yeah, I don't, I don't exactly love the idea of what we might be getting just in the face of that interview and the state of this program. Like they need this one really, really bad. And I'm getting, you know, it, it really is a f- complete flip of this, what this game was in South Bend last year. Um, road favorite, one team, very hot, looks great. The other team reeling a little bit, questions about the head coach. And, you know, the home dog killed them last year. So I'm hoping that, you know, we're just better. And, you know, Klubnik completed more passes to Notre Dame last year than he did Clemson. So, you know, I I haven't seen him develop very much. Um, I think that's been maybe their biggest problem is he has not developed almost at all. And he's now getting into that, you know, double-digit starts, triple-digit pass Dude, attempts, he looks, drop backs. He looks like Drew Pine. <laughs> <laughs> level of quarterback yeah Yeah, he's you know he looks like tarzan plays like jane you know (laughs) like i he doesn't scare me at all if you're if you're clemson you're you're definitely looking forward to the next guy coming in because he was a miss obviously dj didn't develop and that and that's another thing about about Dabo. that's another mark on Dabo. is okay trevor lawrence was different he probably could have been the number one pick after his senior year of high school, he was that good. Then you get another top quarterback, DJ, regresses from where he was when he started his first game at Clemson, regresses. Klubnik comes in, another top quarterback. So everyone everyone recently, all he hasn't been able to develop his quarterbacks. You know, and I I don't I don't think it's unfair to take Trevor Lawrence out of there because, you know, we could, you know, like I wouldn't want any credit if I was that coach and Trevor came in as a freshman, had a national championship season. Like I, what? Tell me what Dabo did to develop him. Nothing. It's, He's just Trevor. Uh, yeah, Lawrence. like Lawrence. Lawrence was one of like what, like five perfect prospect ratings out of high school or something like that. Like something, some he had some crazy number of level of recruit like just generational type so yeah i don't think that should count as development (laughs) i mean yeah oregon state has developed dj more in two months than dj got in 20 in clemson you know so all these guys get a lot a lot of their pay is based on being able to you know you bring in the top quarterback and then you develop them so if it doesn't it doesn't mean anything if outside of a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields, a guy that comes in as, you know, already a top player in the country or Caleb Williams, but 
You know, if you can't bring them in and you can't coach them and develop them, then you got to get someone in that will. So Clemson is in probably a worse state than they've been been in since um, Taj pre Boyd. Taj Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since CJ Spiller was bringing back kicks. Uh, I would love to jump into this college football playoff rankings. Uh, first one revealed Tuesday. I think there's a lot of interesting things here and would kind of love to talk and, you know, get your guys' opinion on where some teams ended up lying. Um, you have a couple people who are ranked above where they were in the AP poll. Uh, then you have some where, you know, one comes to mind, Notre Dame, 12 in the AP poll, 15 in the playoff, uh, behind, um, LSU and Brian Kelly by one and behind Louisville. So it's interesting the way they rank these teams, because I think it shows their perception of them moving forward. Now, the exciting part is I feel like on this podcast that we've discussed over and over is a lot is still coming down the line. A lot's still coming down the barrel. There's, there's a lot to be played. Great matchups. But what is, what are these rankings saying to you guys is as far as how they're rating teams and how you think this ranking could, you know, propel teams moving forward. Um, I definitely what so Texas and Oklahoma both not in the top six, so that that shows that the committee thinks the Big Twelve is ass this year, which kind of, I mean, hasn't been great. I mean, Texas has the Alabama win, Oklahoma won a fluky ass uh, Red River, and then other than that. They haven't really done much. Um, Oklahoma almost just lost to UCF. And then the rest of the conference is all at like two losses and kind of has played like Kansas or uh, Iowa State's like five and one in the Big 12, four and one. They lost to Ohio out of conference. So the Big 12 has did not get much respect. So that makes me think that in the scenario where it's going to come down to a Pac-12, a one-loss Pac-12, a one-loss SEC, one-loss Big Ten, one-loss ACC, and a one-loss Big 12 that the Big 12 is going to be left out. I agree, aside from if Bama runs the table. Because this screams to me that, and I'm happy because I have I have doubled down on my, my, my Bama playoff. Because they kind of have the benefit of having – you're Bama, you look at this and you say, win and in. You know, run the table, you're in. Especially with Georgia kind of hugging that one and two, you know, prob- probably going to stay at two until that conference championship game. I would assume, I know I said some flashes of maybe Tennessee gets it done next weekend against them. That's a huge maybe. Uh, other than that, you know, they have like a 66% chance of winning like each one of their remaining four games. I also think it's interesting of Ohio State coming into one. And this is not necessarily an attack on Ohio State. It's more so just an evaluation of by being at one here and kind of doing your job, they will then play in Michigan. Does They'll play 11-0 versus 11-0 Michigan. This tells me that Ohio State could lose to Michigan and get in. That is, that's what screams you know, off the page to me is by almost having the benefit of not having to play that 13th game where, you know, we're hoping to see 
Bama, Georgia, which would be a top 10 matchup. Well, Washington, Oregon, you know, Florida State's looking like they're a shoe in right now if they take care of business. But it's interesting. I also think on what I hit on last week of maybe a slide back for Georgia. That Tennessee game goes south. Obviously, they're not going to get in with a loss to Bama. I think if things run the table on Washington's end, I think that a 12 and 1 Georgia could be left out. Because the way that they're valuing this Pac-12 right now is inherently, it looks stronger than what they're putting the Big Ten at, or the, uh, excuse me, the SEC at, which I never thought in my life I would say out loud, especially in the last season of it. So those kind of things, Marty, I completely agree with you with the Big 12. I think if things go to plan, which, you know, they rarely do, I think the Big 12 is effectively out of of this playoff conversation. Um, especially with Oklahoma's uh, slip up a couple weeks ago. Uh, But Texas is really the team that needs to get it done. Uh, Now things could get interesting with Texas being 12 and one and saying, well, Bama just won the SEC championship. We were the only team here has beat a playoff team. Like, can, can you put us in? Texas is in over Georgia in that scenario. If Alabama beats them in the championship game. I'd agree. But I don't know how much that recency bias, that SEC bias comes into play. Like, this is a test for the committee, I think, to see are we factoring in the 20-odd-some games you know, they've won consecutively, the two national titles, because it's not the same team. It's not the same quarterback. The only no, thing, not even close. The only thing common is the coach. So are we then comfortable saying, well, Georgia can effectively take a loss and still – and still get in, whether that's in the SEC championship or, you know, I have that Tennessee game circled because I think it's a revenge game at ten- – I think it's at Tennessee. Yeah. And so, so it's interesting, too, where the possible scenario where Bama loses again to LSU this weekend and then beats Georgia, I don't think an SEC team gets in then if no, – which is I, which is absolutely insane to think about where the committee will probably be fucking blowing their brains out because they can't put them – but. Texas would be in in that – they would have to be. The yeah. SEC champ, they beat the SEC champ. They would abs- – and if they – this is if they're 12-1, they would have to be in. Otherwise, it'd be complete malpractice by the committee. But I could see them still just shoving one up their ass because they got to squeeze the SEC in. But I don't know. For, for the media, you know, we always need to include them. Uh, but the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I was actually looking on uh, – fan duel today just to kind of you know i have a couple playoff futures out uh one of mine is michigan florida state uh alabama and georgia and one is you know what we saw last year or not last year but the two big 10 teams and the two sec teams so i was kind of looking and what jumped out to me was looking at the playoff the favorite right now to make the playoff is florida state i don't think that's crazy Uh, i think we all like what we've seen out of them i think we're confident in them running the table Second is Georgia. So they're saying, hey, maybe that slip-up happens against Tennessee. They take areas against Bama. Or that slip-up happens against Bama. They're still probably getting in. Or they just run the damn table. Third is Michigan. Fourth, Ohio State. Fifth and sixth, nearly identical, Washington, Oregon. So right now from these rankings, which, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, pretty different. Like you got the fourth-ranked team with the best odds to make the playoff. Uh, you know, the, the only, you know, Ohio State's got the fourth best odds and they're number one. So a couple of things are backwards there, but 
Vegas always knows. And, you know, I think they're setting us up for we're, we're seeing for the first time, really, teams that not only hold up in the first ranking from all Power Five conferences, but teams that we believe are national championship contenders, that are playoff teams, that are all vying for these final four spots. So I think it's interesting looking at these odds and saying, and then seeing Ohio State at one, being like, God damn it, they're, they're going to lose that game and get in. Michigan's going to win and get in. Florida State's probably good. Who's that third team or who's that fourth team? You know, it, it could be the winner of Georgia-Bama or is it that one loss, you know, Washington, Oregon, or Texas? So he, here's my initial problem with these rankings. Ohio State gets put at number one. Okay, what does that tell us? Quality wins, strength of schedule, ranked wins. Ohio State has the best. Correct. Notre Dame and Penn State. No other team has beaten two teams of that caliber yet. But immediately, that is not consistent down through the rankings. So. Yeah, you, you put <laughs> you you put them you put Ohio State number one for that reason, so that leads someone to believe that that is what they're valuing, and that is what this ranking is going to be, or else we wouldn't have taken off the team that's been number one all year in Georgia, right? So they move Georgia to put in the team with the better resume, but then you start looking at some of these rankings and they don't make any fucking sense, dude. Okay, one lost Missouri, one lost Penn State. Penn State has played in one big game. They lost it. Missouri, one loss, better resume. Okay, move down the line. Tennessee, Utah. Utah has a better resume than Tennessee. They're behind them. So there, there's just a bunch of these, uh, a bunch of these teams that are mismatched, and you know. By starting top to bottom, you're led to believe that one thing matters the most, and that's why Ohio State was given the number one spot, and I don't have a problem with that. In fact, that's normally how I grade teams out is quality of wins, quality of opponent, how you looked against those teams. But then I don't get how you can just immediately lose that right down because even by that metric – Florida State would be second. Yes. In the top four. And probably Washington should be three, beating Oregon. Yeah. So so why is Ohio State the only one that's how, – how you can't grade teams on different scales if they're in the same fucking ranking system. Yeah. Like, what is the what is the control? You know, what you, you can't just have different va- variables with no control group. Like – it it doesn't really make any sense. So like, okay, Ohio State, explain that one to me. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, I'm fine with that. Let's put them number one. And, and then almost no other team makes any sense like by that number. So we're just doing this independently. It, it's it's almost as if you brought in 25 different guys alone and had them write in that team. You know, like no cohesion. No control, no consistency. So, like, I mean, I don't fucking know. Like, 
I, I don't know what to think of it yet again. Like one thing's value for one team and other things are value for other teams. Like what did Florida state do to, to get number four? If they beat LSU, who's being valued high here as the highest two loss team above some good one loss teams, but therefore as an undefeated behind teams that they have a better resume than like, Good work. Good work, college football playoff. Good job. And what's interesting again. is, you know, the lasso in- ingredient, so to say, that goes into the, the the field can never be disclosed until the last poll comes out, which is that conference championship. That takes the most merit, or at least it's supposed to. It's how they rank it. It's almost like I look at this, and this is like their projection for where it's going to end up. Not week by week, like who's doing it right now off the data we have through eight weeks. Because, Chuck, I completely agree with your rationale. Ohio State should be one. I'm, again, not denouncing that. Florida State should probably be two. Washington, three. Probably Georgia, four. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm saying we should be on the outside looking in. Then I think we're good. with As far as the Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma. But it almost is like they're looking to, like, slide that, like, little piece in where it's like, Oh, by this, we think Ohio State, you know, has done it with a record, but we're going to give them that lasting missing ingredient, conference champion. Michigan's looked dominant all year. They dispose of Penn State. They slip up in that game. Uh, maybe they slide down to the three or four spot. Florida State, probably going to win it, win the conference championship, get in. Washington and Oregon, we don't know who's going to win that one yet. So we're just going to stick them at five and six, and whoever wins that will just slide on in. Uh, there is a certain sense of, you know, coming from behind in the playoff. I mean, you saw it with TCU. You saw it with Ohio State in the first rankings. Uh, those are really the two that jump out to me. I don't know if I'm missing anyone. But someone usually comes from that 8 to 12, maybe even 8 to 15 kind of ranking. And, it, you know, week by week, it's when these rankings come out, you're a, a lot more on display. And it makes sense that they reveal these now because you start to see the schedules heat up a little bit. I mean, we got – you know, all these big games coming, come into fruition. And it's interesting on where things are going to shake out. Uh, I like next week, like, is there going to be any change? Like if Michigan disposes of Penn state, like Ohio state did, then is Ohio state still higher because they have another quality win that was Notre Dame or is it, well, Michigan beat Penn state more recently and it looked better. So now we're going to play them and we're just going to play flip-flop all year. It's interesting, and they normally don't do that. There's normally a slow climb, and usually the one, two, three, and four, barring a loss, stay the same. Yeah, dude, this it, it's frustrating. If Chuck, I totally agree that there's definitely a bunch of ass clowns like doing these rankings, where it almost seems like they don't use like any math or computers to help them out. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, like yeah, no, that's exactly what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Notre Dame, three ranked wins, two losses. Okay, they're historically, they can't get in. Plus, but, they don't get to play for a conference championship. But they're number 15 with two losses. That shows their quality wins matter. They also show that they're a very good team because Louisville is number 13. But here's where this is what pisses me off because I know what the answer is, and it is it is genuinely – them ranking teams based on what has not happened yet that is secretly the secret ingredient that they don't want to fucking talk about is them ranking teams based on what has not happened yet they rank teams based on what they have coming up and their likelihood of either staying moving up or moving down 
So where they rank teams has to do with games that have not been played yet. And that is complete fucking bullshit. That's why it's like, well, the whole, the whole, like you're making a full ranking system to, to do it for the college football playoff. It's not the AP. It's not the coaches, whatever. This is specific to the actual apparatus of winning a national championship. And it's like a joke. So you, you put teams that are the best that can't get in, in a spot where, yeah, they could never move up that high. Then you put teams that have an easy strength of schedule remaining lower because they only can move up. And then you put teams that are either undefeated or one loss with a tough strength of schedule higher. So they have room. And then it evens out when, if they drop a game like IE Ohio, uh, Ohio state or, um, Oklahoma, whatever. So to me, it's like, you know, all these computers, all these numbers, we grade players on a, out of 100 on pro football focus after games, we have a billion numbers for everything that happens on the football field. And yet the only thing that seems to matter are the things that haven't even taken place this season yet. And that completely pisses me off. That's well, my two it's, cents. It's, it's obviously semantics too. And the point, the first thing I noticed, obviously I'm an, and defend and they're sitting at 15 doesn't matter, but it reinforces the point that the commit or that these rankings are completely arbitrary that LSU is at 14 when they value Ohio state's win over Notre Dame over Florida state's win over LSU. So how is LSU a spot ahead? And these are the things that are going to matter when it goes to 12 teams, when these things do matter, you know what I mean? It's all, you can't just have some arbitrary crap that, you make up when there's more team or there's more spots for more teams and every single game matters and every ranking matter next year, even even if you do have two losses. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I don't have any hope for them ironing out any of it because it's always been just random crap. But Marty, I think that's an interesting point because if you look at this through the lens of next year and 12 teams, like I don't know if I'm seeing Notre Dame get in, which is off this criteria, which I'm which is completely and utterly ridiculous. Because they have Louisville in front of them. So this is yeah. saying even if Louisville like hypothetically were to lose another one, are they still ahead because of head to head? Or they run the table. I mean, Missouri's got a tough game against Georgia. Let's say that's close. Are we rewarding them for that? They have the same amount of losses as Notre Dame. Do they get in ahead? Ole Miss is looking like a sneaky good football team whose only loss is to Alabama. They have a tight one against Georgia or a tough one against Georgia coming up. Again, is it hey, we play Georgia and Bama tough? Hang my hat on that. Slide in. We know about Penn State. They're always around 10. Because they lose the same two games every year. So they're good. Oklahoma doesn't slip up. I mean, I know this is saying a lot to slip up, but, like, I don't know how much room there is for Notre Dame to climb this ladder. I think a win against Clemson would be, you know, hopefully enough to do it. But, like, I don't know if they're jumping Louisville there. I don't know if they're jumping Missouri if they play that close. LSU is probably the one team I can see getting out of their way very easily because I think they'll lose to Bama this weekend. I think the top 11 is for sure going to stay ranked above them. So that's where that's one spot that's left for Notre Dame to slide in. And effectively, 
next year, they'll put in a group of five. So that 11 then gets closed with a guy like Tulane or Air Force. So am I wrong here, or is that what we're doing now? We're taking a team that is, by my measure, a top 10 football team this year, and we're going to say, hey, next year you do the same thing, we're going to have to sit you out. Dude, it's a joke. I'm like, there, there's been so, there's so many teams in this top 15 here that have either zero, less than two ranked wins. Okay. Notre Dame has the biggest sample size because they've played five ranked teams. They're three and two. NC State, I think, and NC State and Duke are no longer ranked. USC, I, are they even, yeah, I guess. No, they didn't get ranked in the playoff. Uh, they're right. 20, 20 in the playoff. Um, oh, yeah, I see. Which is also I, weird. Southern Cal. But Notre Dame's three and two. They played five ranked teams. That is a comparatively a massive sample size because all these other teams have are either one and oh or one and one, like Georgia, Georgia, one and oh, um, Alabama two and one they played three. Oregon two and one they played three. Texas two and one they've played three. Ohio State two and zero. Oh. Obviously they're in the they're in the one spot. LSU one and two. So again, two losses. One team has one ranked win. The other team has three, and both their losses are to unranked opponents or to ranked opponents. Same, like everything else the same except two more ranked wins. So I, I don't really it – do, it doesn't add up. The second you try to make it mathematical or kind of use the scientific method here, it everything blows up, which is why people have such a problem with the, this ranking system. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, we can deduce that this means X and this means Y. So if that if X me it you just like simple algebra if this is X and this is Y then this team you spit out this number this team you spit out this number and there's teams that fit that but then the rest of them don't so like I I want the I, it's such a it's such a fucking joke that these guys don't have to answer any questions about it either you know, they just come on on Tuesday night on ESPN and just spit these teams and sp- with the numbers next to them and don't have to answer for any of it. It's the same thing like guys want refs to do post-game interviews. I would love to see a ref, you know, explain that call. Coaches need to explain when they make a bad fourth and short call. If a ref ruins a game with a call, he should have to answer that and he should have to tell you what he saw. These guys that are arbitrarily, that's the key word, because we, we've established it's pretty arbitrary because we've already completely shattered the philosophy behind behind these rankings in 10 minutes. They should have to answer why this team is here and why this team is not. And you're putting programs on the line. You're putting coaching jobs on the line. And there's millions of dollars, hundreds of people's livelihoods in the palm of these people's hands. Based on where you're ranked, if you get screwed in the ranking system and you fall out of here and you don't, you know, guys with merit-based contracts that get screwed by guys that don't even have to explain why they're getting screwed, you know, like I, I maybe we could get Condoleezza Rice on and see what what her ranking system is because I think she she might be the most uh, most you know 
readily readily available to debate, but heard she regularly listens to the pod too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it, it really is frustrating because you know why? Like why is a team that has lost ranked games ahead of a team that's won ranked games, but then teams that haven't played ranked games or played against other teams that have played and won those ranked games? Like we we could we could piss on this on this ranking you know a million different ways but you know they just that's a dangerous precedent moving forward yeah they literally just have to pray like these guys spit out the rankings and then pray pray that the field gets smaller and smaller every week to where to where they it doesn't have to matter that much you know what i mean they test they literally have to hope and pray that it doesn't come down to a a bunch of eligible bachelors that there might only be one team that has to get screwed because like, you know, I I don't, I couldn't see one of these guys coming on. And if he came on this show right now, he was in the fourth corner of this zoom and we asked him, okay, why is this team here? Because of this, but this team who also did that is 10 spots lower with, you know, even maybe a head to head or maybe this against ranked versus unranked, blah, blah, blah. Like, I what what could they possibly say that would make sense? Nothing, nothing. So like, you throw out one hypothetical and their mind's broken. I mean, they can't <laughs> seriously process. Like, I mean, we've gone through several different outcomes even before these were going out, and I felt like we even just did a good job. Like I like looking at those situations and saying like. Again, I, I know the conference championship clears up a lot, and there's really, I mean, generally only five of those to go around. And you look at the top ten, and we got multiple teams from each conference ranked in the top ten except the ACC. So we'll see what happens. Again, arbitrary, and I think sets a very dangerous precedent, you know, for moving forward. Dude, they definitely had, like, they definitely were throwing this together realized last second before they were going to turn it in that they had Alabama against Texas seven, eight. And then they're like, fuck dude. Like they actually played each other in Texas one, like shit, erase that, erase that, just flip them real quick. You know, like there's gotta be so many like that where they, they don't even like, they don't even watch these fucking like games. Filling out dude. a March madness. Like yeah. Better- just, just fucking. Oh, but what if they beat them? Then yeah. I know they'll beat them. Like, you know, it doesn't work that way. I just think that they should look at the rankings of what happened and then like acknowledge of this definitely could come to fruition next week. This team, this team, this team, they have tough games. We're only ranking these eight right now. And what has happened? And when you look at a team like Notre Dame, it jumps off the page to me. They have one tough game left and they've had a hard season. You would expect this to be their sixth ranked team that they would have played. Yeah. And the shitty part is Clemson's not carrying their weight. So at that point, this, I mean, there's still only a three point favorite. It's definitely going to be, you know, a, a statement win in death Valley, um, especially against, you know, the team that's ran their conference. I know they're independent, but like they, they play a lot of ACC teams. I think they play like five a year. So to be able to show that and, you know, to be, kind of looking like you could be a top dog that these other, you know, teams in the ACC are going to have to play annually. It's, it's interesting. It's arbitrary and it sets a dangerous precedent. Well, it's, and I guess one, this goes off on a 
whole, you could go off on a whole nother tangent about this, but dude, why is college sports and the same goes for college hoops too? The only sport where they have this, this, oh, this playoff is so meaningful. There's national championships on the line, but there's no uniformity in how any of it is decided. And that's, it goes back to the, uh, whatever the bcs era where you just decide two teams college basketball there's some committee that decide and like who are these people it's just some guy who writes it down or in the same who is the playoff committee it's just some guy who's like oh i like fucking deep state man and the raw child so why why isn't there like okay if you get to this amount of wins like you're in here or like there's there should be levels to this that gets rid of all the gray area and there isn't and there isn't in college basketball either where you're putting in like a 15 loss like big 10 team into the squeezes squeeze them into the ncaa tournament it there's no uniformity every every other major sport yeah exactly yeah every (laughs) michigan or Rutgers has like 19 losses let's find a way to get them in there wait they can't uh, lose another game or they're out proceeds to lose three more games ah they're at 11 and they don't have to play a play-in game that yeah, year exactly. that. but no it, it's it's completely right and at least in college basketball not too many teams are going to be left out because the field is so you know so large so at least there it's not a team where you're like oh man they, they could have they could have yeah, but like like okay College basketball fans, Ken Palm, right? If you if you know college basketball, you are very familiar with Ken Palm. People would be much happier to use Ken Palm rankings over, you know, oh, well, this is a group of five team here, or, you know, this is an at-large here, but they have to get this seed. This is a, a first four. Like, just, a, be, you know why? is because you know it's uniform and it's being measured yeah. on the same exact. exact things. I'm looking here. I got the rankings in front of me. 11, 12, 13. Penn State, Missouri, Louisville. Clearly, they're, they're valuing a better loss versus a better win. Missouri and Louisville have better wins than Penn State. Louisville beat Notre Dame. And Missouri beat Kansas State, and um, throw Ole Miss they, in there too because they're just getting the benefit for losing to Bama. And uh, they beat Kentucky, right? So that's already two better wins than Penn State has. But as soon as you go one more spot, that flips and it goes to better loss than better win, and better win versus better loss. So. You know, if, okay, Penn State lost to the number one team but hasn't beaten anyone. Louisville lost to the number 15 team. Or Louisville beat the number 15 team but lost to Pitt. So now we're valuing losses as a better loss rather than better wins. But then you're going LSU-Notre Dame. And, dude, this is wrapping my head in in a twist, these guys putting these fucking names, but these – teams together but we need to get like, someone every consecutive team you can find a hole in why a team should either be above them or below them every single one yeah which Except, which is why yeah. there has to be a metric but like we it said weeks ago yeah. dude vegas and we you even said it just 10 minutes ago like vegas always knows right beach you just said that 
Vegas has these supercomputers that have to grade all the teams the same so they make money because Vegas is only in the business of making money. So they have no bias whatsoever. They only use the numbers and they can't be biased or else they will lose. So they're unbiased. They use all the numbers, they crunch them, and then they spit things out. If you put the Vegas rankings based on the how they rank games, how they how they handicap games, ranked games, unranked games, home away, if you were to put the there might be two teams in the same position as they are in in the top twenty five. You know, everything would be flipped and flopped, and I guarantee you. I would like that ranking more. I think we need a Ken Palm for college football. Yes. Yeah. We need Ken Palm. Use that as like the ranking system. And it works, dude. Yeah. Like, wow, they're sneaky, so efficient on offense and defense. Like they like I, I didn't even I'm gonna start watching this team now. And then they're in the fucking final four. Yeah. I mean every like, year it's a stat, and this is how you know Ken Palm is legit. It's this is a stat you can look up. If a team is top 40 in offensive efficiency as well as top 40 in defensive efficiency, they are the only teams that win the national championship. The fact that Ken Palm can get that right, and, you know, granted, there's always like seven teams out of 64, and that's how I pick my national champion every year. I look at the Ken Palm and I say, who's got that in common? And I will pick one of those teams. It led me to picking UConn last year. That so that inherently works if you can point to a ranking system and say the fact that they got these in common, they're going to win a national championship. It works when I search Ken Palm College football, Jeff sports rankings comes up. So I don't know who Jeff is, but Jeff <laughs> some, is some ass clown trying to be uh Ken Palm. Jeff has put together some data. Jeff has Michigan at number one, he has Ohio State at two. Alabama three, Georgia, Texas, Oregon, Penn State, Florida State, Kansas State, Notre Dame. That's probably those rankings have more merit than the play. Dude, I would even give more merit to the guy who created the seven hundred, uh, the seven hundred college football team ranking. That guy's probably smarter than the committee. I guarantee you, he. That's is. some Ken Palm shit. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Games that just happened. So like. This is, I don't know, like, I mean, there's a lot of numbers on this screen, but <laughs> whoever this guy is getting this data honestly seems to be, you know, pretty complete. I mean, this kind of wants me taking Kansas State this weekend, by the way, against Texas, now that Jeff's uh, sports has it. I'm strictly betting with Jeff, if you're listening, please come on. We'd love to know uh, the mind behind these rankings. Um, he's got an email, so I'm going to reach out to you, Jeff, just in case you don't listen. But uh, we should we need to get Jeff on here and possibly use our platform of, you know, the hundreds of listeners on Spotify to propel Jeff to leading the college football playoff rankings. And I think that will restore faith in humanity. I I don't know where Kansas State comes from in, in all that, like – I guess they they have a loss to, you know, a top 14 team and no ranked wins. I think they're really I think they're really efficient on offense. But that it, just, ha- it has to be Ken Palm-esque with efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely. It's such a broken record, and like, yeah, it'll be great when they expand it, but there there will still be absolute, you know, hose jobs um, coming down the pipe with twelve. You know, it's you're not changing the, you know, the guys in the suits. You know, the issue is the guys in the suits. It always it always has been. I mean, like they used to just not even play a national championship, but a team would get the trophy at the end of the year. And then they were like, you know what? We'll make a game for it. And then it was, you just throw a game together based on BCS rankings. And then, oh, we'll do four. Like, I, I don't get why there's been such a, like who, who, where's the pushback coming from? to make it a more inclusive and a more exciting, um, you know, apparatus for determining a national championship. Like who wants less college football and who wants less teams involved? Like I, I don't get who could possibly enjoy a smaller field. College basketball is great because you get 68 teams. And every year, one of the last 10 teams makes a run to either the Elite Eight or the Final Fucking Four, and it's always a blast. You know, you start rooting for a team that you you couldn't name a single kid from that school, a single person that ever went to that school, or you who don't even know where the school three is three weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, you don't even know what state the school is in, and you start rooting for them, and it's great. But in college football, there has been this, like, divine stranglehold on the the ability for teams to actual, actually compete in a playoff format. Like, it took people pleading on their knees, begging to get it larger than four. You know what I mean? It's like... You know, it's the joke about like asking for an extra ketchup packet in the drive-thru. And it's like they're like these guys, they're holding on, like squeezing the life out of these things. They don't want to give you an extra one. Like, like it's their own personal stash. It's like, dude, you got a plenty of ketchup to go around, brother. Just sling me an extra one, dude. Like, what's the fucking problem here? Well, I think Jeff has it all figured out. I mean, Jeff's sitting here just waiting for someone to reach out. Um, rankings, we're never going to agree on them. Yeah. Well, football is such a multi-million dollar industry. Like we saw this with Cincinnati making it. It's like they have to, but is this really right for the media? Is it right for football and it being a good game? Like you want to see – these matchups of perennial powerhouses with big fan bases that will travel to Pasadena, that will travel to New Orleans, you know, increase the revenues in those cities, make them happy, put money in their pockets. You know, then it goes back to the media rights. Like, I mean, media controls so much and we're going to sit here and say that like they don't have a part in like who they want to see play in their broadcasted games that millions of people will watch and will generate millions of revenue for them. Like money talks. It's how it is in the world. It's how it is in business. And it's gotta be it's the somewhere 
somewhere down the pipeline, it's it's definitely the World Economic Forum. College sports are a business. We're seeing it now more than ever. It's the globalists somewhere. Yeah. Like I guarantee, we could tie this thing to the globalists and the elite and the Rothschilds and Anderson Cooper, but you know that's above our pay grade. Big oil, and I know it. <laughs> that's why we're here to get away from the legacy media. Yeah. Because they're the ones that have tarnished this sport. I'd love to be like a like a guest in that room and just share a couple of the thoughts that we shared here before they kind of submit the rankings and just see if I can see an eyebrow kind of raise and be like, no, 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 he's he's kind of onto something. Like, why why did we do that? Like, we said that here, but we didn't do that here. <laughs> so be so like, wait, nothing. Who's this guy? Oh, this is the guy we stole his idea for the playoff format. Yeah. Oh yeah, let him let him in. <laughs> God, I hate those people. You know, it's like we need to get I think we need to get that back out there that this was a real conversation that took hold here and uh a month later. Oh, brand new idea for a twelve team playoff format. The timing was insane. It it was like a couple weeks and just no to... <laughs> about I mean, there's obviously always been talk about expanding. Yeah, no serious. I don't think anyone was ready for this to take to take hold this quickly, and all of a sudden they just we we have a groundbreaking idea. Yeah, I'm sure you did. You stole it. <laughs> they probably they probably have guys like Connor Stallions that just comb the small market podcast uh, fields to find actual good takes and then just completely steal them. I mean, we saw with the James Franklin, Brian Kelly thing. I mean, a mere two days later, that's just all over media. Dude, I'm yeah. Gonna, if it happens a third time, I think, we, I think we know then that they're just stealing our bulletin board material. Dude, I have to say, the that video of the possible Connor Stallions in <laughs> disguise on the Central Michigan uh, sideline is so fucking funny, dude. Like... Yeah, where he's like covering his face <laughs> like yeah. it, it's so funny it is hilarious even, i think it's even funnier is jim McElwain's press conference like he's like i don't know nothing about it like you know just trying to like you know obviously do the pr move is no one asking like so can just anyone slap on some cmu gear and join the sideline or like what yeah. is going on here like i'll take or a like do you know that guy you don't know that guy like like, why is he so involved or why is he intently watching and maybe writing down things that hands are doing? Well, again, we don't know. No evidence has been really concretely said, but you know, the, the first, the, the thing most guys are talking about, which is kind of the PR thing to just jump to when asked about this is the, you know, just evolve to the radio head, uh, radio helmets. Right. But, Another thing, and I've thought this for years, there are way too many freaking people on the sideline. Yeah. Way too many. There are more there are more coaches, staff, reporters, media than players. Like you cannot you could not fit more people on the sidelines at these games. There are 500 people on the sidelines. So I think another thing that that might come of this is you have to be more selective and you only get a certain amount of non-players on your sideline. Less credentials given out, um, less volume of players. Like I was at 
the Niles North High School boys senior night soccer game. And I was going to go down to the sideline, hang out with my boys, my coaches. And our AD, who's a friend of mine, told me, hey, we had an issue with someone that wasn't a coach or really affiliated, someone like me, go and get a yellow card for screaming at the refs. And he shouldn't have been on the sideline. So what happens in that case is the coach has to wear the yellow card or red or whatever it is. So he then gets a suspension for the next game. So basically you can't have someone who's unaffiliated because then it goes back to someone that is affiliated, obviously, and they have to wear it. And then it negatively impacts the team. I think something similar might come of this where it's like, you know, this guy can't even name one of the guys in central Michigan gear that would be like, you should be, you should know everyone that's not, you know, some, you know, uh, media guy, but first name basis that's on your sideline, every player, every trainer. Exactly. So like the fact that you couldn't be like, Oh, that's Johnny. You know, that's a problem. Like you have, you, you're telling me there's trainers or scouts on in your program and central Michigan is not exactly fucking Texas football that you don't know who they are. Yeah. Like it, like, okay. You, it would be even funnier if that is, it isn't Connor stallions. It's just some central Michigan super fan that, that went to the bookstore an hour before the game threw on some gear and was just, just scanned right into the sideline. Cause he's like, dude, was, I think I, I think I could work my way onto the sideline and was just able to, it, it makes you think next time I'm in South Bend, I got all the gear. I could fit in as a, as a scout on the sideline and yeah. no, there's so many people, they won't even know I'm there. It was some guy for central Michigan doing the same role that Stallions was doing. He was stealing <laughs> signs. <laughs> Anything to win the Mac baby. Um, yeah. I think it was funny. Like, and I've seen, the well, there's the picture with like the blue dot on the Ray Ban. Have you seen that? Yeah. And Is it blue, blue dot gate. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought these things just fucking came out. Am I? I thought that was like because I saw it was with Meta and like Zuckerberg did like you know like the iPhone presentation where it's like oh we're gonna reveal this year's you know new technology that you all need to buy and so we can track you and do all that fun stuff, but. Oh, I thought it came out like the is stallions on like a pre-release for these things. Like, Hey, I need these this year so I can get on the sideline and zoom in with my glasses. Like that's just too futuresque for me. And I thought those just came out. I could be way off here. And they so the just- recording glasses, right? Dude, Stallings, yeah. Stallings has a brother that works for like the CIA or something. So he's got an inside track. He's a former Marine. But like, they're like these, they're like literally <laughs> way, that's yeah, military technology, like like beta tested military. They don't tech. just give that out. It's not like you just show you're like, oh, I served card. Like, let me go into the toy store and find out what you know <laughs> military grade gimmicks I can. Maybe buy. it is. Maybe no, it is. Right. And we just yeah. How do we know? <laughs> you go into Denny's, get a grand slam for free. So, I am very interested to see like if these things have been revealed. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like, they're 
Uh, okay, yeah, I guess this is the second coming of them. So they have been out. I don't know if that speaks to back since 2001. But they offer, it's a built-in AI chatbot and improved speakers. <laughs> I don't really know. What, what, hey, AI, what, what play did they run there? Uh, <laughs> like, oh, that's zone read, right. Like, I don't know. And also, like, the blue dot on the thing, like, that could just be, it's a night game. There is a ton of lights. Uh, that could literally be a light like this, just beaming off a phone and just hitting your your sunglass. Like I don't know, and I need a report. I need something like the Big Ten. It looks like they're gonna sit this one out. So this just seems like the the classic. It's gonna be in the media all year. You know, no matter how well or how bad Michigan does, it's gonna be there. And we're going to evaluate it next year. And it's going to say, well, do you know, Michigan might do the same thing. Be like, I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to suspend Harbaugh for, you know, the first two games and then go from there. Like, I don't really know. And the Big Ten looks so not involved. They haven't done anything. Yeah, they're, they could care less, honestly, dude. Paul, Paul Feinbaum actually did a 180. I was, I said, fuck him. I sat on the show. Yes. Well, a week ago, and I said, wow, I've never heard him say something good. Well, I should have known it was too good to be true, because yesterday he's saying, like, hand up. I, I didn't know. Like, I, I said this. I think and- he said it was the biggest – that was the biggest regret in his career was yeah. saying that something – like, something like that. And there's nothing to point to. So is it going to be the biggest regret in his career when he regretted it if this doesn't come to anything? Like – it's so blown up in the media. That's what we do. We grab onto stories. It's a fun story. No, I mean, I think everyone has been loving reading this on college football Twitter. I mean, with the revelations between yesterday and yesterday about the CMU shit, that is fucking hilarious. Is this a guy who looks like Connor Stallions? Is this Connor Stallions? What weight does Jim McElwain carry in this? How does Harbaugh? No one knows anything. And I don't know if the NCAA's top priority is putting a shadow on this season rather than just letting it play out and we'll evaluate and, you know, maybe twist Harbaugh's arm to the NFL. If not, I think they just gear up for war and, you know, they do their long, slow molasses like investigation that they are known for. I would have thought that the biggest regret of his career was saying that after Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the college football playoff, that Notre Dame should be banned from the college football playoff. Only for his little fucking butt buddy Alabama to lose to Clemson by more than Notre Dame did a week later in the national championship. Like, that is something where, you know, if I, like, I, I should have called in and, and told him that because, like, that is such an outrageous statement to make when every single other team gets boat raced. At his Alabama puts up a 16 spot against Clemson, 44-16. I'm like, I'll take the 30 to three. That's yeah. 27. <laughs> you guys lost by 28. <laughs> like you're SEC child, baby. Newsflash, uh, pal. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you know we're on the same page. So um, whether I whether I am in on Michigan being cheaters and getting banned, we can we can confide in each other that Paul Feinbaum's a fucking dickhead. So um, take whatever, take, take what he says with a grain of salt, fucking Dumbo. I can't wait to see what shocking revelations we have again at this name that next week about this story. 
Like it's just, it's a whirling dervish. It's just spiraling out of control. On that note, <laughs> may we call it. <laughs> I think you just hate Pine Bob. Like that yeah. is you know, the newest uh, revelation that I think we all on this podcast at least can hold each other close and, and say, fuck you, Paul Feinbaum. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get off!